0: It's good to be back. Uh, I spent the last days, eight days in Alaska and uh, tented up on the mountains of Alaska, uh, black bear hunting and just gorgeous place to be. It truly is the last frontier. Uh, Most of you know, I love the outdoors. I'm refreshed uh, in the wilderness and spending time there. I was able to go with uh, uh, two other men here from the Goshen area. Um, Sam Armington led us. Uh, He was the guide from this area. Met two other Alaskans there, spent eight days. Got to see uh, uh, literally eagles, hundreds and hundreds of eagles. Saw many of them swooping down across the water, catching fish. Saw killer whales, had otters swimming around the seal. Uh, it was just uh, unbelievable uh, opportunity to black bear hunt. I was able to bag a big bear on Wednesday night. If you heard a, a hoot, it would have been about 12.30 here. Uh, it have been 8.30 there. It was me standing over a, a black bear. Some of you can appreciate that more than others, I'm sure. Um, but uh, it was great. It was uh, an opportunity to do something I'd never done before. And uh, Isaiah is now uh, claiming and saying that he gets the black bear skin rug in his room hanging on the wall. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, it was definitely was a trip of a lifetime, um, spending time in God's creation. 21 hours of light while we were there. So literally, um, I was around the campfire at 12 o'clock at night, and it was as light as it is right now. And it never even really got dark while we were there. It's like dusk. So it was just unbelievable. It took a four-hour boat ride out to the place where we were at, out across uh, the Alaskan Sea, Um, Prince William Sounds, where we... I felt like I jumped into the Discovery Channel. Uh, It was just an incredible week. Uh, It's good to be back, and a great time with men connecting to God in the wilderness, and like I said, if most of you know me, it was quite a, a adventurous trip. No cell phones, no internet, uh, no technology. Now, that was a breath of fresh air. I wasn't even tempted to peek. you listen, And it was just you, uh, just a week away from the rat race of technology does good for a man's soul. Uh, it was a good week. But it's good to be back, and I'm glad to be back. I want you grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look at that today, chapter 4, verse 17. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Uh, ushers will put one in your hand. Like we always say, if you need this Bible, take it home. Bring it back with you next week. That week next week, you don't have to ask for one. And you have your own Bible. If you don't have a Bible, or you have a Bible, just leave it on the chair uh, that you're seated in. But turn to Ephesians um, chapter 4, and we'll take a look at that here in a second. All of us today um, make decisions based upon who we think we are. All of us make decisions uh, with job uh, resumes. We make decisions with our dreams and our goals. We determine in our minds who we think we are. And so with that information drilled into our our brains and our minds, we make decisions of what what groups we'll hang out with, um, what we attempt to achieve, what we think we can accomplish. We make those decisions every day. In fact, today, when you woke up, If you were to, you made decisions based upon what, who you thought you were. When you look into the mirror on any given, awesome. I can see everybody put that cell phone away. I see you texting back there. Put it away. Tell him I said, hi. Tell him Pastor Jim said, put it away. Anyhow, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? When you look in there, you base your decisions based upon who you think you are. And so either you have an incredible identity or you have an identity crisis based upon who you see in the mirror each day. And so rapidly decisions come our way and we determine what we're going to do based upon who we think we are when we look in the mirror. And Paul is going to show us today that it's clear that we are somebody different often than what we think we are. And so he's going to try to challenge us through his word to live to the potential that Christ created you to be. Let me give, let me explain that a little better. When I was uh, in college, um, at Grace College, I, I ran some road races. And so I ran a road race when I was in my early 20s and ran this one too. We were dating at the time in college. And we went up to Mishawaka. I went to Grace College and went on a leg. It was a 10K run. And so we decided we would run in this race. And it was a Mishawaka Nutra run or something. So when we got there, based upon what you could run your mile in, how many minutes it took you to run a mile, you lined up and you got in that pack of people. Not much different than if you were in a half marathon or a marathon. And so when I got there, I determined I knew what I could run at that time. I was running a 520, 530 mile. And so I knew that I would get in the five minute per mile group interesting thing happens at these races. As people are lined up, the, 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 the clothing and the shoe changes on the people the closer you get to the front. It's interesting. It's like the, 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 wear, the, the sweats they have on are more expensive. The shoes are more expensive. And the closer you get, the, the quicker you run your mile pace, it's more expensive to stand there. Now, I was a college student. And so you don't have much money when you're a college student. But I knew what I could run. I went there, it was cold morning, I went there in a pair of Penn State sweatpants that were tied at the waist. They had white paint spilled and speckled all over because I, I was part of a running uh, a project that was painting some houses. I had a redskin sweatshirt that I really liked. It was warm, had holes under the arms, and it was kind of the ones that you wear and wear and they get real ratty. I liked it. Didn't match the bottoms, and I had a stocking cap on that was the Washington Redskins pair of Nike sneaks on that were well-worn. I ran a lot of miles on them. And they were dirty because I mowed grass in them. I worked grounds at Grace. But the closer I got to the front, everyone else looked a lot different than me. So I walked up into this five-minute mile group. And as I stood there, I felt these eyes looking at me saying, You don't belong here. Based upon the way I was dressed. I mean, I'd never seen... Another discussion for another day. Why do men wear spandex? I never know. But as I'm standing there, they're all standing in there in these spandex. And I'm standing there in Penn State sweats. And, and I could feel the eyes around me saying, you don't belong here. Get to the back of the line. In fact, I stood beside a guy who was dressed in pink spandex. Now, that, now that guy, he was a confident guy, let alone to be in spandex, but be in, in pink. So as I stood beside Pinky, I made a decision. I, he kept looking at me thinking, you don't belong here. And I was saying in the back of my head, I am going to kick your butt. That's what I was thinking as I was standing there. So we're running this race. And, and so as I'm standing, I knew who I was. I didn't care what other people thought based upon how I was dressed, who I was. I knew what I could run. And I knew I was beating Pinky. I mean, I knew I was beating Pinky. Make a long story short, I ran the race and I kicked Panky's butt. It was awesome, man. It was just. But the reality is, based upon what you see in the mirror, will play out in the decisions that you make in your life. So I ask you today do you know who you are in Christ? Paul's going to work hard at reminding us today that we're redeemed people who have the living God living in us, and that should make a difference. And we should move to the front of the line because with Christ, we have an unfair advantage. Stand with me and we're going to read through this today. And hopefully as we get through this, you will begin to live life in the fashion that Christ intended you to live. Let's read Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 24. Read it with me. Ready, read. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off with your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You may have a seat. This passage begins in this letter, like I say, it was a letter that was written to the church at Ephesus. And so Paul wants to remind this group of people and God wants to remind us today at Grace Community Church that based upon who we think we are, will determine how we live, the decisions and goals that we make with our lives and the impact that we have on our world. But it begins by decluttering our minds our journeys are unique. Every one of us has a unique journey when we come to Christ. Some of you are seeking Jesus today. And Lord willing, sometime soon you'll come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. But many of us in this room already know Jesus. And our journeys are unique. And if we took time, and you took time to listen to people and say, what were the determining factors of how you came to Christ? What was, what's your story Basically, all of us have a different story. The language here is is pretty strong. Look back at verse 17. Paul says this. He says, so I tell you this and what? What's the next word? Insist on it. I would say the same. I tell you this, Grace Community Church today, and I insist on it in the Lord that you no longer live as the Gentiles do. And the fertility of their own thinking. In other words, you don't live as lost people who are set aside and apart from God. Live like you're redeemed. Live like you're saved. But it begins in our minds. In the basement of our house, we have some old hard drives from computers that we've had, some 486 computers. This thought has always been in my mind that we might, might as well keep, maybe sometime I'll need that memory that's on that hard drive. Truth be known, we've already taken one of them outside. We took a monitor outside and shot it with shotguns. It's what I need to do with the hard drives because it is of no value. And so what Paul is saying, those old hard drives, those old computers that you have lying around in the basement of your house, they're of no value. Those memory banks are on. That was the old you. Throw it away, take a sledgehammer to it and beat it up. It has no value to you. You're a new person. Your computer, your mind started new when you came to Christ. It should be running at optimum performance. Declutter your mind of the past and press on to the future and the new you that you can become. No more futile thinking, he says here. But here's the problem. We have an enemy called Satan. And you know what he does? He wants to accuse us of our sin. He wants to accuse us of the sins of our past. And so Revelation 12.10 says this. This day and night, Satan is standing before God in the throne room of heaven, and he's accusing you and I of everything we've done wrong. So day after day, he stands, everyone that's there, he says, there's Jim. There's that sin again. There it is. There's that struggle he has. There he failed again. He shouldn't be doing that. He's a pastor of Grace Community Church. I mean, you're letting him do that. And day after day, he accuses Believers in Christ and day after day, God says, hey, but remember the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ covered him. Remember, 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 remember. And so day after day, we have this enemy who wants to remind us of our past. I always say this, don't let your past freeze you and cause you not to be the person Christ wants you to be. No more futile thinking. There was an old commercial that used to be out when I was a kid. I'm dating myself here. And it was this, they had this picture and they said, this is your brain. And this is your brain on drugs. And they showed this egg that was in a skillet that was frying. And this is your brain of the past. And this is your brain. When you go back to the past, it's frying and it's of no value if you keep going back there. Let, let me say it this way. Jesus did not save our souls so that you and I would wallow in the, our minds in the landfills of our past. Live above that. Live beyond that. Live as redeemed people. Jesus did not save our souls so that we go back to the landfills and these garbage dumps and live there. He says, Get out of the garbage dumps. Get out of the landfills. That's the old you. The new man lives with. He moved from the landfill to the palace. Quit spending time there. You see, I choose not to live there anymore. And I'm no different than any other Christian. I have the same living God that lives in me, the Holy Spirit like you do who are redeemed. I just choose to live where Christ wants me to live. I'm not going back here. This is futile, Paul says. Why go back there and remind yourselves of your sins? Why go back there and and live here? It's hard enough to live in this world, but to beat yourself up over and over and over again. Paul is saying, great is your new name because of what Jesus did for you are. for you. Let me, do you really know who you are? I wonder if most do, because if we knew that we were children of God, it would, it should change everything in our lives. People do change, by the way, when they come to Christ. Let's quit freezing people in the past too. Christians are the worst. Sometimes you're your worst enemy. You beat yourself up more than even Satan himself does. Here's how you do it you commit a sin. And because we're computers in our minds, we calculate the number of times that we've committed to sin. And it's like, you know what your familiar sin is. Something, then you get victory, and then you have a new familiar sin. But you go before God, and it's like, God, here I am. This is 15,334 times I've done this. And so instead of thinking that it's your first time there, you go there to God. And you say, God, please forgive me. And it's a genuine. I mean, you go there with a broken heart and you confess your sin and you repent. And it's like, you know, you say, God, I've been here 15,000 times. God, I am so sorry. And you think that God could never forgive you of that. And that somehow that he's remembered. God's perspective is so different. I want you to remember this. You see, the word of God says this. Not only does God forgive you, he chooses not to remember your sins anymore. So here's the picture. You're there 15,334 times. He looks down at you and he says, it's as if you've done it for the very first time to him. That changes your perspective. Because it's not like this repeated thing. God chooses not to remember. Church, that's great news today. So you got to stop beating yourself up with your past. If Jesus chooses not to remember the landfill of your past, then why should you? Listen, once you let it go and forgive, ask for forgiveness and confess that sin and repent, listen to me, move on. Because if you keep going back, you'll never be the person Christ intended you to be. How many of you are glad that God chooses not to remember our sins? Anybody here glad he chooses not to remember our sins anymore? Paul is saying, quit looking back, quit looking back, quit looking back, quit looking back. The old you is gone. There's a new you. That chapter is finished. Move on, write a new paragraph. Your life has new purpose now. Go ahead and write it. Declutter your mind of the past. Look at the language of those who choose to look back. Look at verse 18 and in, in following. There's, you're darkened, you're separated from God. There's ignorance that's in them. There's hardening of their hearts. It says they've lost all sensitivity, given over to sensuality, indulging every kind of impurity, a continual lust for more. So why in the world do you want that kind of mind? And Paul is saying, please, the old you is gone. And if you keep looking back, that's part of your past. You'll get into this pattern and you'll repeat and remind yourselves of who you used to be. I, with Paul, will will say what he said. I insist on it today, Grace Community Church. I insist on it, that as Christ followers, we no longer live as lost people, but as people who have the grace of God on their lives and have been radically changed. You know, if marriages would do that, if marriages would just do it, 50% of what they normally hold on to, relationships would change if friends would do that, if bosses would do that, if coaches would do that, if pastors would do that, if people would do that, if we just let it go, relationships would flourish, just flourish. We don't have to live as the old man. We have a new man that's in us. You have everything you'd need to march through this life victoriously, yet our minds continue to control the direction of our lives. You're free. Yet when some of you got up this morning, you looked in the mirror and all of a sudden you thought, boy, Thursday of this week I did this and Wednesday of this week I did that. And boy, three weeks ago I did that. Even though I, I, I asked God to forgive me and, and I've repented. It's, and so you look at yourself and you think, oh, God can never use me. And so, so you woke up this morning and what you've done... What you've done, you've attached this ball and chain to your leg, and so you you came to the worship service today like this, and you walk through life like this, and it's like, and so you choose to put that chain back on. It was laying by your bed, and it's like you got it on this morning because oh, I'm I'm a horrible person. I did this, and what you need to do is just cut it loose, throw it away. God chooses not to remember. Then why should you? That's what Paul is saying. There's this dog in New Paris. Down where I live in New Paris that is tied to a dog box by a chain and if you ride by and I have you ride by this yard it comes running out like it's going to attack you and it's tied to a chain so you take your car by and say, whoa, 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 it can't go any farther it gets to the end of the chain and so if you really want it to put the dog in misery just keep riding by it, and it just come out there but this dog is attached to the chain and it can't go any farther than this the dog knows this too Because it has this rut in its yard. And all this dog does is run in a circle. It can't go any farther than the extent of the chain and the length of the chain. So it spends its entire life running to the limit of the chain. It's dug a rut about this deep. And I think, that poor dog. That dog doesn't know what freedom is. And so many times, I want to take bolt cutters and go in there and just... But I wonder if I would. If I go in there and cut this chain... If that dog wouldn't just continue to run out there and stop because that's only the only length that it's ever taken and would continue to be in this rut. And there are people in this room who are Christ followers and Jesus has radically cut the chains of your sins of your past. He's thrown them away. He chooses not to remember. He took them to the cross. And yet all you do is run out here and stop and let that chain you think limit you. You don't even know what freedom is. And Christ is saying through his word. Church, I didn't go to the cross and give my life and die a brutal death. So you're like the dog that runs out here and runs in a circle with ball and chain to their lives because of sins of their past. Listen to me, church. Don't let some super righteous Christian remind you how horrible you are Don't let them determine who you are. You look in the mirror and say, I'm a child of God redeemed by his blood, sanctified and justified. And I belong in the five minute group and I don't belong back here and I don't care what pinky thinks. That's the picture here. The picture is change your mind, declutter your mind. Paul is reminding us of that. I heard someone recently say this and it was really good. They said this, that your mind, your soul, and your body and spirit are close neighbors; they live in close proximity to each other. Your mind, your soul, to your, your soul, your body, and spirit are close neighbors, and when one gets sick, it diseases the others. It's contagious; it causes the others to be sick and diseased. So let's, let's take that down. Let's break that down. In your mind, if you continue to live back here. If you continue to remind yourself and live in the past and beat yourself up, it's going to disease your body, your soul, and your spirit. And you will become the very worst version of yourself. And Paul says, do away with that futile thinking. Start thinking like a redeemed follower of Christ. You, your light will never shine brightly if it's buried in the sins and the lifestyle of your past. Paul is saying, this isn't the way your story's supposed to end. Yet some of you in this room, you are afraid to step out in faith because, well, I have this area of my life that I haven't had victory. But listen, Christ can redeem you of that. Christ has, has redeemed you of that. You can have victory over that. It might take time, but they're, believe me, the, the, the sanctification walk looks like this. It's a time of gradual increase. It's a time of falling and getting back up and trusting God. And it allows, it's this continually graduating climb to Jesus. Some of us might be here, but we all began here. So it's this process of fail and, 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 and getting back up, falling and getting back up, falling and getting back up, and growing and climbing and climbing. Don't let a couple slips along the way push you back to the old life. Then Paul says this. He says, change your wardrobe. Look what he says in verse 20. He says, you, Grace Community Church, church at Ephesus, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old what? What's it say? Self, which is being what? Corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made what? What's the word? New in the attitude of your what? Minds. Put off the old man. The path to deterioration. Your former life is gone. Quit putting the grave clothes back on. The Jim Brown paraphrase would be this. Get rid of the leisure suits and put on the pinstripe suits. Don't wear the old clothes. By the way, you remember the leisure suits? Those things were nasty ugly when I look at them now. But you remember when you wore... I had like this... I had this lime green, big lapels, leisure suit. You remember the silk, some of you remember this, silk shirts with the flowers and they would be open up here and it showed my one chest hair. It was like, that was just, you just thought you were just really cool in there. And I look back on those pictures like, man, I can't believe you wore that stuff. Paul is saying, get rid of the leisure suits. That's the old man. Put on the pinstripes. Yet some of you, you still pull out the leisure suits and you stick out in the crowd and we're saying, don't go there. That's the picture here. Get rid of the old clothes. Put on the new clothes. Change your wardrobes. Then he says this in verse 24. Look what he says. Verse 24 says, to, to be made new, new in, your, in your attitude and minds and to put on the new self. Look at this new man, by the way. Created to be like whom? God in true righteousness and holiness. I read this while I was in Alaska. And... Uh, it blew me away. I had to read it again and again. I read it. I worked on my message before I left. I had it written before I left. But I was reading over it to refresh myself. And I was reading this and I was thinking, Jim, look at that. It says, And to put on the new self, created to be like God. Woo! I was thinking, I'm created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. And I began to let that run through my mind. You're created to be like God, not created to be what someone wants you to be. You're created to be better than that. You're created to, be, to have holiness and righteousness of God in your life. You had the potential to be someone that's like God in his holiness and his righteousness. Listen, that's great news. But listen, then why in the world do we wallow in the landfills and the dumps of our past and say, this is all I deserve. I'm no better than this. Poor me. Yeah, I know. Why do we do that? Why do we stay there when Christ wants us to be? Here? And Paul says, change your wardrobe. Put on the new self. Put on the new man that's completely different than the old man. It seems like this church was struggling with their identity. Probably a lot of you are struggling with your identity too. We've lost our identity because some boss said we didn't measure up. Well, you didn't do that in a quick enough time and you're... The, the tolerance wasn't good on that tool that you made. Or you, you didn't measure up because your, your your wife or your ex-husband or your ex-spouse said that you didn't measure up. You didn't measure up because you had a father or mother who didn't believe in you. And somehow you think you don't measure up because you didn't make it. The seventh grade basketball team in junior high, you were on the B team. And you didn't measure up. And so the rest of your life, you look back, boy, I was a seventh, when I was in seventh grade, I was on the B team in basketball. Let me ask you. That's when you stand before Jesus Christ one day at the beam is saved, you think he 's going to say i can 't believe you only made the B team." Because- about that. Yeah, we let somebody's view, especially high school, you didn't make this team, and you didn't make that play, and you didn't get those academic awards, and you didn't this, and you didn't that, and we find our identity in some super righteous person who just happened to have a good gene pool of intellect, or could shoot a jump shot, and we say, well, I'm, since I'm not as good as them, I'm not valued. Let me tell you, you are more than valued, value, right? You're created to be like God. Man, we need to drill that into our minds. And when you do, You go from here to here. You know, really, there isn't any difference between someone who gets saved here that finally reaches here than someone who gets saved and determines to stay here. It's just that this person knows who they are in Christ. Let me tell you something. I choose to live the way that Christ tells me I can and he tells me who I am. I don't want to stay here. Why spin your tracks like the dog in the backyard when you can go from the landfill to the palace for crying out loud? Because when you do, everything changes. But we have these super righteous people in our lives. You know, the ones that that see you and and you haven't seen them since high school. And you were the guy that smoked marijuana in high school. Or you're the guy that got drunk on the weekends and they see you in church and I think the walls are going to come down. And somehow you're still that 16-year-old immature person who, who, who didn't even know God. And, and you're like 50 years old now. And it's like, and they think, I mean, you're not that. No, I'm not that person anymore. And it's like we freeze people in the past. Oh, you were like the, the prom king and the prom queen and we worship him. So what? Who cares? Now in Christ, we have a seat in the, the palace of God. But don't we do that? We freeze people all the time. Husbands are good at freezing their wives. Wives are good at freezing their husbands. Classmates are good at freezing other classmates. And we look at them. And, and, and then we, we assume this role because you get that look when you're standing there with Pinky. And he looks at you and you think you really don't belong there. And if you're not strong in Christ and you don't know who you are, you'll let that look from Pinky back you up to the end of the line. And Paul is saying, no, you belong here. Not only do you belong here, you have powerful God living in here and you can accomplish great things with God. That's the picture here. Take off your grave clothes. You're not headed to wreath air funeral home. You're more alive than you've ever been. You've been created to be like God in his righteousness and holiness. And the last time I checked, Jesus left his grave clothes in the grave. You moved from the landfill. But... Here's what we do. So many of us live our lives and we let the X's of our past determine who we are. And we say things like my ex-wife and my ex-husband and my ex-drug habit and my, ex, uh, my ex-felony and my ex-jail time and my ex-this and my ex-that. And this is the picture. When we look in the mirror, that's how we see us. And Jesus is saying, get rid of the prefixes. This is your past. Throw it away. You're a new person in Christ. You're not that ex-ex. That's the picture. But many of you, it's like you like this and you get in conversations. You have my ex and my ex and my ex. Listen, you don't need this prefix to your name. You have a new identity. Get rid of it. Change your clothes. Change your wardrobe. Then Paul moves on. Look what he says in verse 25. He says, now that you know this, this is how you do it. Verse 25, look what he says. He says, therefore, as a result of this, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In other words, tell the truth. In other words, there's probably things in your past, in my past. Let's face it. When we didn't know Christ and we didn't have the spirit there to convict us, we did some things that we aren't proud of. And he said, if you have a pattern of your past before Christ that you were telling lies, he says, put that behind you. The old man, the new man can live above that. The DNA has been changed when you come to Christ. God can and does instantly remove some sins and sinful patterns too. So some of those things he does remove, but often you might struggle with them, but at least now you have the ability to overcome them because of Jesus. My father, for instance, When he got saved, radically saved, it was a modern-day miracle. When he came to Christ, he was an alcoholic, and he drank himself drunk when he would drink. Good man, great, great man, but alcohol got the best of him. But when he got saved, he never drank again. That was a modern-day miracle. The picture is this, that Christ, that's behind him. That was behind my dad. There are some things that, that God instantaneously removes and takes away. There are other things you might struggle with the rest of your life. But listen, you can overcome them. It doesn't mean you won't struggle with them or be tempted with them. You now have the living power of God living in you. You have something to fight back with. That's the picture that Paul wants to give us today. Another thing to keep in mind is that some of us are much farther down the road in our spiritual journeys. And it's real easy to see someone who just came to Christ right here. Like they just came to Christ. They're like two weeks old. They're like a year old. You've been saved for 400 million years. At least you think so. And so you look. And you look back and this person comes to Christ. And you see these, these things in their life that they still need cleaned up. And it's real easy for you, super righteous, to, to say, why isn't that person, do, why is that person doing that? How come they haven't changed? How come this area of your life? And you forget it took you 30 years to get here. And so you look back and and you begin to judge and and you don't show any grace and and you become this prideful individual and you push this person and you begin to condemn them. And then I read in Romans, it says, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But this person thinks so. And so the picture is, it's a progressive walk with Jesus. The progressive sanctification walk. Some people don't understand grace. It's these people up here, who love to point out the faults of everyone else, who love to find the faults. I I know many people like this. And so I pray for them, God, break their hearts, because here's what I know. Unbroken people do not demonstrate a whole lot of grace towards others. I want to repeat that because this is worth repeating. Unbroken people do not show and demonstrate grace to other people. Broken people do. Broken people who've had their hearts broken by God give grace. Someone whose heart hasn't been broken by God doesn't give grace. Think about a horse that's never been broken. Have you ever seen a horse that's never been broken? Have you ever tried to ride a horse that's never been broken? You can't get near that horse. It pushes you away. It'll kick, it'll buck. It does everything it can to get you off of it because it's not been broken. Show me a broken horse. You can show a, see a rider on top of it. It understands that it's supposed to go with the rider. It's easier to ride a broken horse than an unbroken horse. It's the same with Christians who are not broken. You show me a Christian who's has, whose heart's not been broken by God, I will show you a person who is quick to push everyone away who begins to point out all the faults of other people because here's the reason why. They don't want you close to them because if you get close enough, it'll reveal their real heart and it's not very pretty. So they point out all your faults and push you away so that they can have this distance away from you and it appears that they have it all together. But you show me a broken person and I'll show you someone who extends grace, who's authentic who's vulnerable, who lets you in and on and around them. People who aren't broken don't demonstrate grace. They're full of pride. And you know what pride does? It pushes other people away. And here's the thing, they don't even know it. Most of these people don't even know it. And And you can see it. It's like you can see it and they think, they know that what they're doing is godly. There was a period in my life when I was 18 to 20 years old, I was a very super righteous person. I didn't even know it. I was just like, everything was black and white, it seemed to me. And I just wanted to love God with all of my heart. And I wanted to follow him. And so, I mean, I would just, I I, I remember going to my siblings later on, I was 21, 22, and 23 and asking for forgiveness because they would listen to music. And I said, well, Christians shouldn't listen to that music. Christians shouldn't do that. Christians shouldn't do this. And Christians shouldn't do that. I was checking off this list and they tried to come to me and I would push them away because I knew that I was right. I'll never forget when God broke my heart. I went back and said, I am sorry. And I began to extend grace because I need grace. It changed the direction of my life forever. I became this vulnerable person who had love like I never had love before. You know people that way. And hopefully you're not that person. Because Paul says, don't be that person. Verse 26, he says, look what he says next. In verse 26, he says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. How many of you are guilty? Do not give the devil a foothold. No anger should outlast the day. Well, how many of us have been guilty of that? Paul said, don't let your anger outlast the day. How many of you have let it outlast the day in a marriage? You know, and here's how it plays out. You're angry. And that thing beside you, that's how you see him when you're angry. That thing beside you, (laughs) you don't. And so she says goodnight or he says goodnight. You don't, you just. (sighs) It's like, I'm not talking to that thing. It's like right there they are. And so you go to bed and you go to sleep and you're angry. Paul says, do not let your anger out last day. You're in the workplace. Your boss says something to you that you don't like. You don't like how he treated you. The word of God says, don't let your anger outlast the day. If you go to bed and you're angry at that person, unrighteous anger, you will let the devil have a foothold in your life. And so we have all these angry people and they wonder why their lives are falling apart. All because they let the anger of the sun go down on their anger and they haven't dealt with the relationship problem. Here's what that is. You know, open a door. You take a door and you open it up. Have you ever taken a door and closed it? It's easy to close when there's no obstruction. But here's the picture. It says, when the door opens and you're angry, you open up your heart for Satan to stick his foot in the door. Have you ever tried to close a door when there's a foot between the door jam and the door? Try it. You you can't shut the door. And so the picture is your anger opens up a, 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 a place for Satan's foot to come in in your marriage. It opens up a place in the workplace and and, and at school on an athletic team. And when that happens, he is looking. It says, sin is crouching at your door. Satan is waiting for you to be angry. And when you go down, the sun goes down, he sticks his foot in. And when he gets his foot in, he wiggles his way in. He hangs a hook on your heart. And listen to me, everything gets rattled upside down. And then you wonder, why am I so angry? Why do I hate that thing so much? Why do I hate him and hate her? And why do I just, just why when people just do this little thing to me, do I just explode? Why do when they bump me, stuff comes out of me? It's because you have let Satan get a foothold in your life because of your anger. And now he's turning that anger all upside down. And Paul says, don't let the sun go down. Because if you do, You've given him an imitation to your life. He comes in and takes residence, and he will eat you up. Paul says, "Live above that. Patch up the relationships before the day is over, or the enemy will gain control of your life." Once again, he reminds. After that, look. Look. Read on. He says this in verse twenty-eight. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. When the new man comes, the old you passes away. If you stole it in your former life, don't continue to do it. With God's help, you can overcome these problems, these addictions, these things that that, that push you down before. Then he says this in verse 29. He says, do not let any... Kind of, what's the talk there? Unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others, what? Up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. It's a great picture here. The picture is this. Just, just ask yourself this question. Do the words up, that come out of your mouth, are they only used to build other people up? Paul is saying, no unwholesome talk should come out of your mouth. Ask yourself this question Does your mouth do damage or does your mouth build up people? When you're angry, it doesn't, there's no way it builds other people up. You tear people down. And Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out, but only what is helpful. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger. Get rid of all slander. Get rid of all every form of malice. There is the chance for you and I to use our mouths for good. And when we've given the devil a foothold, everything changes in our heart and we revert back to this old man. And Paul is saying, get rid of that. Otherwise, you will be your old self. Change your clothes. Go from the leisure suits to the pinstripes. Find some new clothes that Christ has given you and wear them. Think about this for a second, though. How many of you have bought an outfit, bought a shirt, bought a blouse, bought a pair of shoes, bought a boots, bought something, and you put it away and you think, I'm going to wear this for some day down the road. And so that someday down the road comes and you forget that you've bought in that outfit. You forget you've forgotten that you've bought that the shoes you forgot that you bought that appliance you forgot that you bought this thing. And so time comes along and you think oh, I need it. So you go out and you buy the same thing. You bring it home and you and you put it on and you go to hang it out. Oh, I already have one of those. And Paul is saying, you have things in your wardrobe and in your closet you haven't even taken the tags off of yet. Don't store them away. Put it on and wear it. Then he wraps it up, I think, in a beautiful way. Look at verse 32. He says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you the redemptive potential, and you and I is off the charts. And Paul's saying it is possible to be a person of kindness. It's possible to live as Christ did and to forgive. Think about what he has forgiven you of. And yet some of us, we can't forgive someone because they put black Sharpie pen on our jeans. I mean, think about the stuff that we, we go to bed angry over. The dog poops in my yard for my neighbor, and you're angry. You want to just paintball bomb their house. I mean, this stupid stuff. And Christ died for us, for all of our sin. We get mad because that person got more playing time on us, and you know that you're better than them, and you're... And Christ died for you on the cross. He said, be kind and forgiving, just as in Christ, God forgives you. Doesn't our world need a good dose of kindness and forgiveness? Doesn't your relationship with your wife or husband? Doesn't your relationship with your classmate and your sister and your brother? Doesn't your relationship with your boss need some kindness and forgiveness? Isn't this where we're supposed to live and not down here? You see, many of you don't know who you are. And when it comes time for race day, you let the looks of everyone else determine where you stand in the race of life. And I'm telling you, and I insist on it, like Paul says, stand with pinky and whip his butt. That's the picture. God, help us today. Help us, Lord, to know who you are in a fresh way. Help us to move from the old man to the new man. Help us to live above the past. Jesus, you saved our souls. Help us to live as redeemed people. Please, God, in Jesus' name, amen.